Okay, this evening, we enter our second week of walking through the book of Joshua together. The book of Joshua, whose keynote feature we've come to understand is God's faithfulness to fulfill his promise of giving the land of Canaan to Abraham's descendants. We've also come to an understanding that for those of us on this side of the cross who profess the name of Christ, this book represents in types and shadows our matriculation into the rest that our Lord provides in and through him here on this side of heaven. We were called, chosen, justified. We're now being sanctified in Christ. So here on this side of heaven, we are called again and chosen in him before the foundation of the world. But through the apostle Paul, in all of that we hear this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his pleasure. Our fight, we see, and we were reminded, is against three dubious enemies, the world, our flesh, and the devil. We saw in the introductory text of the book that Moses has died and his assistant, Joshua. It's interesting that he's not called God's servant until the very end of the book. He, in the essence, it seems like he has to earn the right to have the title that Moses, his predecessor, had. But Joshua was commissioned to take Moses' place, and together we deduced that like us, when faced with things that are daunting, that tend to chip away at our God-oriented resolve, Joshua, like us, was in great need of some heavenly encouragement. And thus God reminded him of his faithfulness. Let me just step back and say that I want your mind to be thinking of the fact that these individuals, the people of God, were getting ready to engage in battle. And so are we. We are getting ready to engage in battle. And so in preparation for battle, there are things that God saw that, that Joshua needed. And so he was reminded of God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises. God reminded him of his presence. And God reminded him of his means, of the means by which he would uh, be successful in achieving the ends that God himself had purposed for him and his people. And if you remember, that means, that means of grace is the word of God. And so those are three things that he was needed in preparation. Now I want you to notice that everything that I just talked about was about one man and his engagement with the one true God. That one man was called by God just like you. That one man was chosen by God, just like you. And that one man was equipped and put on the path to accomplishing God's purpose for his glory, just like you. But with those things in mind, let me ask you two questions that I want you to be thinking about as we deal with the text before us this evening. And these two questions are related to the fourth thing that I believe that God uses for us or we need to avail ourselves of in the battle, as we go into battle, right? So yes, you as an individual were called, chosen, equipped, and provided with a purpose or purposes that have existed before the foundation of the world. Yes, you personally and individually had to profess your faith in Christ. But question, are you now endeavoring to accomplish the things that God has called you to on your own? 
Or do you recognize that God has an established structure by in which you're to engage his purposes in the earth? And here is this. Ask yourself this question. Am I my brother's keeper? I want you to keep those two questions in mind as we now read and reflect on our text. This is God's holy and inerrant word, so let's give careful attention to it. The word of God. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people. This is Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command them shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again, we pray that you would encourage us through your word, that you would reveal to us that which you would have us to know, that our minds would be open, that our ears would be open, that you, by the power of your spirit, would grow us in grace through the understanding, the preaching, and hearing of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, I'm going to comment on this text with our questions in mind and under three overarching headings. God's design for winning. When I came up with that one, I was like, man, I sound like I'm in a prosperity church. The second one, my brother's keeper. And third, voluntary submission to biblical authority. So first, God's design for winning. Remember I told you, they're going into battle. And so we, so we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and, and wicked in, in high places, right? And we are called to put on the whole armor of God. But as you look at your text, you'll immediately notice that having been commissioned, strengthened, and encouraged by God himself, Joshua immediately goes, not to everyone, but to the officers of the people. Now, right off the top, this is very instructive to us because it teaches us, or at minimum reminds us, that God has ordained that his purposes, especially on this side of the cross, are to be accomplished by and through his established structure. And that structure is comprised of his primary representatives, those who rule or govern under him, and the people as a whole. We see that right here. Distinctively made up of individuals, they were one body, 
called and chosen by God to accomplish his purposes. And all three had their particular roles that they were to fill. Joshua was to hear from God and lead the people by and through God's word. The officers were to hear from Joshua and guide and equip the people. And the people were to hear, submit, and act in accordance with what God had directed. If you look at the text, you can see that what I just communicated can be seen by the words that are used by each group or individual in Israel. First, we see that Joshua, after having been commissioned by God, he immediately goes out and commands. He commands within his role. Then we see that a portion of his command to to the officers is that they are then to command the people to engage in the act of preparing to obtain that which God had already provided. Then we see the people in verse 16 saying, all you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Now notice there is a qualifier. The people added, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. I'll talk about that later. But beloved, what they're communicating with that particular qualifier, only may the Lord your God be with you, is an articulation of what the Apostle Paul told the people in 1 Corinthians 11. Follow me as I follow Christ. And the same principle that Paul communicates to wives in Ephesians, wives submit to your husband as unto the Lord. What I'm saying here is that those who follow are to do so only as much as those who lead are guiding and directing them in and through God's word. We do not follow people who are skirting aside from the word of God, but we are called to follow those who are indeed preaching, teaching, and leading according to God, according to God's leading. Now here it might be helpful uh, to be reminded that Joshua, whose name is literally the same as Jesus, was providentially prepared by God as a type of Christ to lead his people to the promised land, that is to their rest. We on this side of the cross, we follow Christ. And because he can swear by or talk or take us to no greater, he leads us to the Father by him, through him, and in him who is our rest. In Hebrews 1, we hear the words, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, none greater than Moses, and he spoke through Joshua. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things in line with that. we reminded of Ephesians 1.22, which tells us that God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Colossians 1.8, we distinctively hear, and he is the head of the body, the church. Now pivoting to the, the second and third group. So Joshua represents a, a, the Christ in types and shadow. Pivoting to the second group, the officers and the people as a whole. The office, in God's structure, we get to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 and hear these words. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to, for what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to get them ready for battle, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All of us, none of us are supposed to be left behind. This is God's will for us. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body so that it builds itself up in love. Get it now. Presence, his word, the gospel, and the church, one another. That which I've communicated from the New Testament is nothing new. But the same exact principle we find in our text This so as it relates to God's governing structure. And as we'll see as we walk through this book, whenever the people adhered to God's model, to his design to accomplish things, as informed by scripture, they prospered. But whenever they strayed away from it, they failed miserably. Think about when the people walked away from Moses. Think of when the people did other things. Think of when Moses himself did not operate in what God said to him. They failed every time, but whenever they obeyed God's word, they prospered. They were successful in accomplishing God's design because it was God working in and through them for his purpose. And so likewise today, we, will be do, we would do well to look to Jesus Christ as our head and pay attention to those who have been called, as the scripture says to them in 1 Peter 5.2, to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And that they did. The officers went among the people eagerly, proclaiming, in verse 11, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are, going, you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. They already have it. God has already given it to them. But now they have to go and work it out as we are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. So here, in essence, the people were told not to go fight on on their own, but to, to get themselves personally ready to go out in a unified front under the, the guidance of God himself, whose guidance would be exercised through the governing structure that he himself had erected, a unified body built by God himself. In 1 Peter 2, the apostle Peter commenting on the nature of this body as it relates to us wrote, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. These folks in our texts were not just preparing for battle just for the sake of preparing for battle, but they were ultimately to replace the morally debauched people and objects in the land with a people who honored and served God and and brought glory to God. They were to be a light which would bring others to God, to the God they worship. And they were supposed to do that as a united group, united under the banner of God himself, living in obedience to him. 
to the praise of his glory. Speaking along those, these lines while commenting on, on the first Peter text, Doriani wrote in first Peter uh, chapter two, verses four through 10, uh, the apostle calls his churches a chosen people, the people of God, and imputes to them the status of new Israel. Throughout, Peter assumes that to come to Christ is to come into this community. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, you also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, as I was putting this sermon together, <laughs> this came into my mind. You guys might remember when McAllister used to be across the street. And I thought about McAllister and said, you know what? If McAllister was over there and the kitchen was over there, and then the bathroom was on County Line Road by the highway, and then the place where people sat was over here on Lake Harbor, that would be a mess. That would be a terrible house to have built. And so if I look at the same thing, I said, man, so when Christians are divided, and I'm not talking about outside the church, I'm talking about us. If we're not divided in our mission, united together under the banner of Christ, and we're over here and over here and over here in the church, and we feel like we don't need the church and all this kind of stuff, that illustration that I just gave is a real illustration of what it looks like being all over the place. And we would not be as effective in serving people as we should be in Christ's economy. And so these folks in our text, again, <clears throat> at this point, I believe it would be helpful to remind ourselves that these folks in our text were being bought in to the land of their rest. And, and that, that represents our matriculation. It represents in types and shadows our matriculation into our rest, into Christ. It's found in Christ. And that leads me to our second heading I'd like to comment under. First, asking the question, am I my brother's keeper? These words, those words you might remember were famously articulated through the mouth of Cain after he killed his brother Abel. And they're still extremely relevant today, as we'll see even here in our text under our second heading, brother's keeper. In verses 12 through 15, we find Joshua addressing the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the tribe, the half-tribe of Manasseh, saying, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest, rest, and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that your Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the, the Jordan towards the sunrise. Now, to get a full understanding of, of what's going on here, one would have to read chapter 32 of the book of Numbers. There we find that the people of those three tribes had plenty of livestock. There... <clears throat> The land was fertile and full of everything they needed. Thus, they asked Moses to allow them to stay on that side of the Jordan, the east side, which was not the promised land, but what would essentially be 
what they would claim as their land. They had already won it through battles. Moses responded to the request by saying, shall your brothers, you're asking us to, to stay on this east side of the Jordan, but shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Your fathers did this which, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. Kadesh Barnea is when they came to the Jordan River before in that area, and the people went in and the, the spies went in and bought back a terrible report. Joshua and Caleb bought back a good report, but it cre created a division amongst the people. And so Moses went on to tell them that it was because of that sort of action, that mindset, not obeying God by faith, not considering others, but through fear being only concerned with self and not acting within the structure of God's design. It was because of that sort of action, that disposition, that their parents wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and died without having seen the promise of God fulfilled. And now they were going down the same path of disunity, fostering discord and hindering others from coming into their rest. You heard the, the text say time and time that they had their rest, but now they were hindering others from coming into their rest. So again, I ask you the question, and I'm asking you directly, are you your brother's keeper? Do you have a responsibility to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, not just for your benefit, but for that of each member of the body? Are you the stronger brother or sister? You who are further along in discipleship, are you called to hold up your weaker brother or sister, to bring them along with you by your words, your deeds, and your actions? 1 Corinthians 12 says that all of us have been bestowed with gifts and talents. And listen to what God has to say about what we esteem to be the lesser gifts. If we are honest, there are things that we see and people that we see and we esteem them to be of lesser ilk or gifts. But here is what God has to say. But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. We're one body, the body of Christ. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Other places in scripture talk about mourn with those who mourn and, and so and rejoice with those who rejoice. So you see, listen, I don't care who you are in the body of Christ. I need you. Your neighbors need you. And to whatever extent you don't walk with me, to whatever extent you don't walk, we don't walk with each other, is to that degree that we are not going to fulfill God's purposes as efficiently and as well as we could. God is still going to accomplish his purpose, but he could do great things if we walk in obedience and hand in hand in the unity of body with each other, with one another. Now the three tribes vowed to fight alongside their brothers until they came into the rest. 
And as such, 40,000 of them, it was a total of 136,000, but 40,000 of them crossed the Jordan and fought. Um, But here's the thing. Even later on, because they decided to do their own thing, when you get to chapter 22 in the book of Joshua, you're going to see that another issue came up because they decided to do their own thing. They built an altar, and even though it wasn't an altar that they were going to worship a false god, it caused a division to the point where they almost came to war with each other. So we have to be of one mind, the scripture calls us to. We have to understand what God's mission and purpose for us is, and we have to help each other along to experience the rest of God. Now I've alluded to this, but having heard all that was commanded in verses 10 through 15, the question I had now is, what is the response of the people And what should our response to God's command concerning his structure and call the unity in preparation for the the physical battle that they had and the spiritual battle that we have? My third heading, voluntary submission to biblical authority. Look at verse 16 through 18. And they answered Joshua, all you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Now, (laughs) there's two things that I need to point out here, first of all, that's kind of comedic to one sense in my mind, right? They said, just as we obeyed Moses in all things... Any of you remember what happened in the wilderness? (laughs) You remember that when they were at Kadesh Barnea, they wanted to stone Moses and replace him with a different leader? It's like like how we are, you know? We just kind of forget who we are sometimes and profess like Peter, you know, that we're all this and all that. When the, the fact of the matter is if we look in our history, in our own lives, we'll feel like how many times we failed God and how much and how deeply we're in, in need of his grace. So the people say, but you know what? It's always still good to affirm that. But after you affirm it, after you say, God, I'm going to do such and such for you. I'm telling you I'm going to do it. You need to turn right around and say, but God, you know, if you don't help me, I ain't going to be able to do it, right? Right? And that's the, the kind of posture that we should always be taking. So they had the right posture of obedience. And we should always affirm that we are going to obey our Lord, to obey his word. And then impose, beg upon his spirit to enable us to do exactly what we're hoping and endeavoring to do. And part of that is why we need each other. Is why we need to be able to keep each other accountable. Hebrews 10.25 says, don't neglect coming to church. The gathering of yourself as is the custom of some, right? But we are supposed to gather together and all the more as we see the day approaching. Why? And encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. We need one another to fight the battle that God has set before us. We need to hold each other up. We need to hold each other accountable to growing in grace. You know, this morning, we've been sharing the numbers of how many people attend Sunday school. I'm talking about the Sunday school teachers for a particular reason. And when I heard the numbers, I mean, my heart was so, like, encouraged. When, when Pastor Caleb and I saw how many people came 
to the Christmas service after the Christmas Eve service was filled, our hearts were encouraged. When we see people, you know what I'm don't care who gets what accolade, who gets whatever, but man, when the people of God are worshiping God and living for God and, and doing it in a spirit of unity, it's just such a wonderful thing to behold. And then we become what we're supposed to be, light to a world that's pulled apart, to a world that's just polarized in every sense, in every way. But yet we, in the midst of all that polarization, we are together walking hand in hand, magnifying the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You tell me that that is not something that would glorify God. You tell me that we wouldn't be able to fight and win every battle. Because first of all, we understand that it is God that's fighting and doing it in us for his glory. And so if he says, we're going to do that, do this and do that, let me tell you something. We need to do this and do that. We need to walk in the faith, in faith that God will accomplish what he has set out to do. And so these folks, think about this now. I don't know about you, but I get really excited when I think about the future of this church because of all the awesome things that I'm seeing and the way I see people are coming together and serving in ministry, the finances, the budget, you, you name it, the love. People come here all the time and they say, oh, my goodness, the people in that church, they're so loving. And so I say, yeah, I taught them that, but no, it's Carl. <laughs> you know, and, and just to see that sort of unity and the way that we're moving together, it's a beautiful thing. And that is intentional. You have to be intentional in your marriage. You have to be intentional in all your relationships. You have to be intentional in obeying God's word and not allowing the enemy to bring division or discord in anything. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Hebrews 13, 17, in terms of them saying that they were about to obey uh, the word of God and obey who God has set in leadership. Obey your leaders and submit to them for their keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I got to tell you that, you know, when we go in the back, me, Caleb, and Carl, to pray and prepare to come out here, there's a lot of laughing and frivolity. And to me, that is evidence of the fact that it is a joy to serve you, that we are not being beat down in our minds or, you know, dragged down by serving you, but it is joy to serve this congregation. Why? Because this congregation is moving in obedience to God's word in every area. Are we perfect? No one is perfect. If you were perfect, I would have messed it up when I walked through the door. Okay? So, but we are where God wants us to be, and I thank you for walking obediently before the Lord. You know, the, the people that come at night, they said that they are the sold-out bunch. You know, and so others, folks who might need to hear this, might not hear it, or they might hear it, but this is where we need to walk, because God would use He's always used a remnant, and I'm not saying that people are not here not remnant, but he's always used those who are available to accomplish his wish, his will, and his purposes. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for <clears throat> using Joshua and his people as a type of, of Christ and, and us following you, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray that as we engage the battles in this life,
against the world, against our flesh, and against the devil who is going about seeking whom he might devour, that we would do so knowing that you are our God, that you are our protector, you are our provider, and we can do nothing outside of you. We thank you that you're using this church so marvelously for your glory all around the world and ask that you would be pleased to continue doing so, but that you would do it in such a manner that everyone that sees would give glory to you and not to us. Everyone that sees would magnify you and that as we live in and through Christ, you would draw men, women to yourself and enable us to serve folks here, around us in the neighborhood, in every sphere of influence where we are in our jobs, and everywhere we are. Would you do these things to the praise of your glory? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.